In this episode of 2000 Books, I talk to the guru of modern productivity, David Allen. We talk about the paradox of having complete control versus playing a big game in life and why we need to build an external brain and how we can do that. And the paradox that the more something is on your mind, the less it is actually happening. And why there are no problems, only projects. If you haven't labeled the problem as a project, you are a victim of the situation. And why we don't need more time. We just need more mental space. And what is the biggest thing we need to do in order to implement getting things done, GTD? A lot of great ideas. So sit back and enjoy the show. Well, hello. Hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books. Every Monday and Wednesday, we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs, books in the field of startups, marketing, sales, productivity, management, leadership, strategy, personal development, and much, much more. And I am your host, Manny Vaya. Today's guest, David Allen, is the guru and the father of modern productivity movement in many ways. No discussion about productivity is ever complete without getting things done or GTD. David is the creator of Getting Things Done and, of course, the author of blockbuster bestseller, Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. David, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Manny, delighted to be here. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, I've studied your book for almost 10 years now. It's, it's such, a, such a great, great write on productivity. And every time I read it, I take something new out of it. But it's great to talk to you and learn directly from the master himself. So... Hey, I, I learn every day. Every, I, just, I was just working with an entrepreneur in Chicago, a new client of mine, one-on-one, desk side, and I, learned, I just learned a bunch every time I sit down to do this. this there's, there's a, a never-ending never deep well here, I think, you know, in terms of you know, what you can get out of this material. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's start with a, a little overview. Like, what got you? What led you to writing this book? What happened here? Give us a, give us a brief story. Uh, let's see the brief story. One, I'd fallen in love with clear space in my head in my twenties. I was, you know, a martial artist and meditator and uh, spiritual explorer and all that. And I found, you know, clear space was a very cool place to operate from being free in your head. It's a very practical place to operate from. If four people jump you in a dark alley, you don't want 20,000 unprocessed emails hanging somewhere like barnacles in your psyche. So yeah, clear space was great. And then I started, I was, you know, a good number two guy for a lot of friends of mine in terms of the starting business because I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grew up. So I wound up helping a lot of friends with their businesses and just walk in and help improve their process uh, just because I'm so lazy. I said, well, you can do this easier and do this easier. And then I'd fix it and get bored and then go leave and go find another job. Then I discovered they actually pay people to do that and they call them something. So 1981, IR consultant, right, hung out <laughs> my shingle, right? And so I, I began to put those two things together, both my love of clear space and then exploring techniques for myself that also would work for my clients. And so I got hungry to find a good model so that I didn't have to make it up every time I showed up with somebody. In terms of if, I, if it wasn't clear what might improve their condition, what could I, what could I implement with them that would, with, without exception, improve their conditions? And I actually started to find the various pieces of this that ultimately became you know, what's now known as GTD. But it wasn't, one, it wasn't an overnight epiphany. Just a long string of epiphanets and a lot of miles on my tires. And, you know, Gladwell's 10,000 hours is nothing compared to the, the literal time I've spent desk side with some of the best and brightest people on the planet, you know, both implementing this, testing this out, researching and refining the methodology itself. And that became, you know, then I had a big corporate 
HR person asked me to take that stuff and see if I could put it into seminar format, which I did in 1983 and 84, and then kept a small sort of boutique consulting and training business because I wasn't sure really what I'd figured out. And then fast forward 20 years of that, 25 years of that, finally, I figured, well, nobody else seems to have come up with what I came up with, uh, so let me write the book in case I get run over by a bus. You know, somebody might figure it out, but I better write the manual. And because I never had enough time to really go into all the implications and applications of this thing, so I truly, I put the whole kitchen sink in that book, I and mean, that's why you know you've read it a bunch of times because I didn't hold back. The, the, you know, it's really full of the whole methodology in terms of all the the aspects of it and key elements of it. So that's that was the the that's kind of the that's a very uh, short version of a very long story. Um, you know about how this thing got created. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, it, it wasn't like I wrote the book and then created a business about the book. It was really writing a book about the business that I created for 20 and 25 years and all that experience. And, you know, pretty much by that time had, had discovered that it was bulletproof okay, because without exception, whenever anybody started to implement these techniques, it improved their condition by giving them more of a sense of having things under control and more of a, a confidence about their meaningful focus on what they were focused on. And control and focus are the two real key elements. And, you know, if we're talking to entrepreneurs, those are the, <laughs> those are the two things that you're likely to lose. You're going to feel out of control and you're going to lose your focus, you know, if you're not careful. So, you know, that's, you know, useful stuff for, for, the, for, for your audience. Absolutely. Control and focus are such important keys, especially control uh, in an environment where you feel like you're constantly uh, not in control of situation as an entrepreneur because you are at the mercy of so many different things. But getting that sense of control, getting that feeling of control is so critical. In- well, but the, the, the entrepreneurial nature is, is one that throws yourself out of control. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to always stay in control. You're, you know, you're not playing a big enough game. You know, mm. because anytime you set a vision or have a goal of something that's not true yet, and as you, if you commit to it, you're going to have to undo <laughs> your previous life and mm. recalibrate all of your resources and your attention for the new thing to incorporate that. So it's not about not it's not about always being on the surfboard. You know, you're going to fall off, but you just need an ankle tether so you can get back on real quick. So that's you know that's a, a really good analogy or a good metaphor to think about this methodology. It's really. It, actually, people who really start to do this, <laughs> one of the dangers is they get so excited, they start to feel the confidence they can execute on anything, and they take on bigger, more ambiguous, and incomplete stuff. So you, you really need to kind of understand the game and then be just sort of enjoy the zen of that whole process. Yeah, there is, it's something you said really, really was uh, profound there. You said you don't want too much control because then you're not playing a big enough game. And that's true because... When you're an entrepreneur, things are out of control. They are challenging. They are frustrating. They are out of control. But when you get into a big business and you are in part of a corporate structure, things get implemented according to a plan, according to a process. And they don't necessarily have the same level of growth as when you are an initial, when you are growing your business, when you're trying to do different things and you are the one who's making things happen compared to being a part of a cog of, cog on, cog of the sure. wheel or something like that. Sure, but that, that then is why it becomes equally important that you figure out how to get yourself in control after you throw yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I think a lot of people resist the GTD or the getting things done methodology because they're out of control about how out of control they are. <laughs> so you, you, need to, you need to swallow hard and face it and, and, and grapple with it and then get on the other side of it. 
but yeah. you don't want to you don't want to stop it. You just so there, want to make sure that you you can engage with it appropriately. So there's a paradox at play here. You got to have control, but at the same time, you got to have be be able to give up that control in order to grow, in order to get out of your comfort zone and really go to the next level. Well, when you think about you know the most high performing people out there, you know Formula One racers, uh, Olympic level anybody, you know come on, they're they're always risking stuff at mm-hmm. being out of control, right? Mm-hmm. They're on that edge. So that's that's I think. That's not a metaphor. Actually, that's an example. I mean, a good entrepreneur and a successful one is going to feel like that, you know, invariably. You just want to, it's like the hyper, the more high performing you get, the more you're aware of things that can throw you out of control and the more aware you are that you are. So the funny paradox, another paradox to this money is that the people who need what I teach the most are the, the people who, who are most attracted to what I teach are the people who need it the least. <laughs> It's already the most productive, proactive, aspirational people uh-huh. that are attracted to this. And it puzzled me for a little while until I had the big duh. Um, what this does is it gives people space and it relieves pressure and it relieves drag on the system. And who is most interested in more space and less drag? The fastest people. Mm-hmm. Right? So you know, if, you're, if you're in your comfort zone and don't want to be anywhere different, you don't want to d- rock the boat, then getting rid of drag is going to be a drag because you're actually going to have to do some things that you're probably not doing. And you have to change some habits and some behaviors, you know, but that's 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 the name of the game. No, that makes that makes so much sense because uh, you often see that people who are trying to improve certain areas of life usually are the ones who already are on a pretty good track in that area, but they sure. they're just on a constant search. So yeah, I doubt if, I doubt if anybody is going to pretty much take to getting things done in GTD unless they've already tried some version of system. Yeah, and it, but it's just it's just funky for them now, or it's not keeping up with them. Yeah. And that's, that's why a lot of people think of my work as organization. Oh, oh, that's that organization tool. It's actually as much a disorganization methodology as an organizing one because you're going to have to undo the structures that you've been doing if you want to play at a new level of game. But I understand why people call it that because it is, for the most part, the vast majority of people, I think, that come to our work are people whose creativity has gotten way ahead of their systems. So, so that is the weak suit is, mm-hmm. okay, I need to, to up-level my structure or make it more flexible or whatever, you know, that, that the, in, in order to be able to catch up with me. Yeah, so let's, let's continue talking about these meta strategies. Usually we like to talk about the three most I- important ideas, the three most important strategies in the book, uh, especially that pertain to an entrepreneur, an ambitious entrepreneur, and we're already talk- getting into it. But what would you say, given what you have seen over the years now, working with so many entrepreneurs, working with so many business owners, what, where do we start? What's the one thing where we start with this book and then we can dig deeper? Well, you know, the one way to think about what the methodology is itself is really based upon a, a, a working hypothesis and now a truth that the cognitive sciences have validated, which is your head's for having ideas but not for holding on to them. Your brain did not evolve to remember and remind. It evolved very well to recognize patterns in the present based upon long-term history and your intuitive intelligence. It does that very well. But, it, but you forget where you left your keys. You know, so your, your, your head sucks as an office. And that's, the, you know, that's one of the biggest problems most people have is they're still trying to manage priorities, manage remembering, managing, manage reminding, manage things that they know they should be thinking about but don't know quite how to think about it. And all that's banging around in your head like a pinball in a bad pinball machine, you know, and you're, you'll be driven by latest and loudest. So that's an, sort of an overarching a principle that sort of underlies a whole lot of this, building the external brain. So that's, 
you know, that's one. It ties very closely. If there are two more, I would suggest that it ties very closely to both the top end and the bottom end of this. Top end of this means I need to be able to get space to think. Mm-hmm. I need room to think at a high level, at, the, mm-hmm. at a higher level than I am. And you also then need to be able to execute. You know, most of the VCs that I've talked to said, you know, if you're, if you're in startup mode, the things they're looking for is, do you have IP protection? Do you have sufficient capital? And can you execute? And most of them would say, at the execution piece is where most entrepreneurs fall down. Mm-hmm. You know, they got a great plan. They got, they, got, they got money, but they can't go actually get the stuff done that they need to get done, you know, mm-hmm. uh, according to the plan and actually execute on it. So that the higher, you know, so it's almost like people, entrepreneurs oftentimes get caught right in the middle, as most people do. They're not thinking at as high a level clearly and spontaneously as they could or should. They don't have the appropriate altitude sufficiently, uh, sufficiently frequently uh, lifting up and managing the forest instead of hugging the trees. Mm-hmm. And they're falling down on the execution piece. They got great ideas. They're, they're excited. You know, they're, they're enthused. They want to get their people enthused. But you know, that down at the ground level, the, the lack of execution. So, so having clear space in your head Mm-hmm. and getting clear space in your head so that you can use that for more strategic, creative, innovative thinking, as well as getting the confidence that you can execute on anything. And that's the next action thinking, which is just, boy, if anybody gets in one thing out of it to determine the very next physical action on things they have attention on. Yeah. You know, those, so, are, those are critical elements. Yeah, so, so let's, let's, let's jump in each of them, and I want to dig a little bit deeper with each of them. First, the idea that your brain is for having ideas, not for creating them, or not for storing them, or not for right. keeping them. And uh, I can, you know, a lot of people would say, well, I am really smart. I can do this. I got it figured out. I have it all under control, and I like to keep it all in my head because that's the way I've always been able to do it. But what is your counter there? You're saying that's not optimal enough, and w- what happens? Oh, well, come on. You know, Einstein said, look, why should I remember my own phone number? I look it up. There are a lot better things to think about. So, you know, if you want to wrap your head around that, and by the way, as soon as you have an, the same idea twice about something, you are inappropriately engaged with whatever you're thinking about because some part of you is not handling your own commitment about appropriately engaging with it. So there's a part of you that keeps beating you up in your head. Well, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You've got to decide about it. You've got to decide about it. And, you know, talk about inefficient. You know, you should have an idea once. You know, I'm such a lazy guy. I'm, you know, I've got my systematic process is set up so I never have to have a thought more than once. Plus, I just like having a thought. But there's an interesting, an interesting kind of a paradox. Is the more something is on your mind, the less it's happening. Wow. Because it's not, it's not on cruise control. There's an inverse relationship between on your mind and getting done. Please say that again. The more something is on your mind, the less it is happening. Yep. Very interesting. <laughs> no, it's, it's the truth. Believe me, I got thousands of hours with some of the brightest people on the planet. You know, and everything that they, that's still on their mind. If on your mind, by the way, means you're doing creative developmental thinking down track you haven't been before. Mm-hmm. You know, and adding value to what it is you're thinking about. That's what your mind is for. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. But as soon as you go, well, I need cat food. Oh, shit, I need cat food. Mm. Oh, my God, I need cat food. Oh, yeah, I ought to call Bill. Gee, I ought to call Bill. You know, I really need to rewrite my strategic plan. You know, I really need to rewrite my strategic plan. As soon as that happens twice, that means you are inappropriately engaged with your commitment about the cat, about the strategic plan, and about Bill. So it's a pretty interesting indicator 
that you don't have to go very far to see how to start clearing up your head, start noticing what's in your head and why. So when you're, yeah. what you're saying is when you're getting reminders about it or when you're constantly, it's not when you're creating something with it. It's more like when you're getting interrupts about it, when you don't necessarily need worry, to have those interrupts. Or worrying about it. Or worrying about it. That's when you know that you're, you're not getting anything done on that. Correct. There are no problems. There are only projects. There are no problems. There are only projects. Yeah. Tell me anything that's a problem and I'll tell you what the project is. You just haven't labeled, if you haven't labeled it as a project, you're a victim then of the situation as opposed to getting in the driver's seat to either resolve it, clarify it, or move it forward in some way. Hmm. Well, we could, I could say that when there is a problem and I don't know a solution, well, it is a problem at this point until I can identify. Yeah, well, your, your, your project is find a solution or research it, right? Hmm. So you don't have to have the answer. You just need to be appropriately engaged with finding out. Hmm. So... When we're saying our brain is for, for creating ideas, not for having ideas, it's the idea that we have to be engaged, we have to be fully engaged in the moment with what's... Um, you. Well, look, Monty, you have a whole lot of... Anybody listening to this has a whole lot of stuff that's strategic and important that's not on your mind. Mm-hmm. Why? It's on cruise control. Yeah. It's, you, you are appropriately engaged with it. You've got the right people working on the right stuff in the right way. You're looking at it and, and reviewing it at the right time and the right place. And it's not, it, this is not a judgment. It's just, the, it just uh, it, an objective reality that the more it's on your head, the more it's re- it, that's just an indicator that there are decisions about it you haven't made or you haven't parked the results in some trusted system. And a trusted system could be people. It could be anything. It's not just a tool and the contents of the tool. It's also your behavior with the tool. Hmm. See, the reason, you're, the reason you're probably not thinking about where you need to be a week from Wednesday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon you, you may not like it, you know, where, where you have to be, but the, you've already decided what the action is. You place the action in, in you placed a reminder in the system you trust. That's why it's not beating you on the head, because you trust you'll look at your calendar in some appropriate way. You yep. know, so if you get the idea, then you, again, the, the, on your mind means the time it ain't happening. Mm. So what do you need to do to get it off your mind is actually what you need to do to get it done. You need to define what does done mean. And what does doing look like and where does that happen? And then mm-hmm. park those results. What does done mean? Put that on your project list. You know, what does doing look like and where does it happen? Put that on your calls list or your at computer list or your errands list or my talk to Jim list. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you trust that when I see Jim, this thing will pop up and the needle will move. And I'll regularly remind myself of this outcome I'm committed to. So you don't have to like your life to get it off your mind, but you do have to make those operational decisions if you want to stop your mind from keeping running, you know, spinning around that thing. And the way you suggest, because I mean, I'm always looking for actionable, specific, very, very specific actionable advice uh, to implement things like this, specifically something like to have your brain just for creating ideas, not for having. You're saying we need to, as soon as something comes up, we put it in a trusted source. Is that the solution here? So that that way... Uh, Listen, anybody listening to this, if they haven't started to implement GTD already, all you have to do <laughs> is just take a pen and paper. You know, stop this thing, put this on pause, and just jot down the first 10 things that come to your mind that you keep thinking of. You need to handle, you would, could, should, need to, is all to. Little stuff, big stuff, doesn't matter. Just jot 10 things down. Then take the next few minutes and decide what's the very next action step I need to take on, any, on each one of those. If it was the only thing I had to finish or complete or resolve, what would I do specifically, right? And then see how you feel. You don't have to, do, you don't have to go very far to do this. Just grab something, 
look at it square in the face and say, what would I need to do next to appropriately engage with getting closure on whatever this thing is and watch what happens. So it's really, in a sense, that simple. I mean, we've, we've unpacked it into the five steps of how you get anything under control by capturing, clarifying, organizing, and reflecting so that when you engage, it's a, you're engaging from a trusted place. And as you know, we can unpack each one of those steps. You know, there's a, it's not one thing. It's not go get organized or yeah. go set priorities. Yeah. There really is a holistic model about how you get your kitchen or your company or your consciousness under control. It's yeah. all the same steps. So this is almost like the primer here just to start unloading stuff from your brain and getting out there. And then um, there's a lot more in the book. There's a lot of steps that we need or the five-step process to really be able to uh, put this whole system in place. When you oversimplify this model, unfortunately, people think, well, just writing it down is a to-do list. And most people's to-do lists are still incomplete lists of unclear things that, that produce as much stress as they relieve because they're not capturing and clarifying what actually needs to be on those lists. They've identified something that's pulling on them, but the capture step is very different than the organized step. You want to be able to capture all those crazy ideas because capturing then uses a different part of your psyche than, than being operational about, now what, do I, what am I going to do about those notes I just took in the board mm-hmm. meeting? What am I going to do about the notes I just took when I just talked to my banker? What am I going to do about the notes that uh, this conversation I just had with my vice president? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's different than taking notes while you're talking to your vice president. So, you know, mm-hmm. Then you need to step back when they're not in, in, in your face and the, you, know, you close the door and you sit down and say, now what the hell do I do about this? What's the action step I need to take, if any? Or is there something I need to track about what he or she just told me they were going to do? And so clarifying the raw data, what, is the, what does that specifically mean to me is step two. So I need to make those two. I can't just hold meeting notes and stuff them in my briefcase and assume anything's going to happen. You then need to make that, those kind of executive decisions about, okay, why, what does this now mean to me? What if that's trash I don't need anymore? What if it's just reference I need to keep as collateral material on the project? And what of it is actionable? And what is the action and who's doing it? And what do I need to track about that? Oh, come on, this is just good business with good practical common sense. But that's step two. That's why it's not just write the, note, write, write the 10 things down. You actually then need to decide what the hell you're going to do with them. And you know, what it means to you, given what it means, you know, is it an actionable item and what's the outcome I'm committed to and what's the action step required? So those are the you know, sort of core elemental questions you need to ask about anything to start to get appropriately engaged with it. Then step three, if I decided that I call and calling Jim is the next step on this, but I can't call Jim right now because I'm running to another meeting. If you don't park that reminder in some place that you trust you'll see when you have time in a phone, it crawls back up in your head and bangs around and bothers you while you're in the meeting. So you then need to organize that. You need to park it somewhere. Where do I keep track of the calls I need to make? And we'll put it on the list. Right? And then step four, when you get to a phone and have time, look at the list. Yeah. <laughs> right? So you can see all the things you've decided that you, you, you forgot two minutes. Two minutes later, you even forgot what it was because you know, that, that, you're on to the next, you know, the next bright bauble in front of your face. So you, then you need then to then step back and reflect on all these things and all these commitments from these multiple horizons so that then you know, your step five, you engage your focus, your attention or whatever in some trusted way in terms of all your engagement opportunity. So the review process is something you do on a certain frequency, certain specific systematic way of uh, getting while doing it, or is it just something you do as and when oh. you get time? <laughs> well, you review whatever you need to review to get it off your mind. You know, have you looked at your calendar lately? Yeah, yeah me too. That's a review, mm. right? If you looked at a list of, of things you do, need to do if you go out for errands, that's a review. 
Mm. Now, so there's a hourly review, daily review, things, and weekly, as you know, uh, GTD, the weekly review is really mm. the, the sort it's of key, the key or core, core element to, to keeping the system, you know, going and maintaining it and keeping it current. Uh, but there are also things you probably need to review monthly, maybe things you need to review quarterly, things you need to review annually, things you need to review whenever, you know, life throws you a curve and you say, wow, we've got, somebody just offered to buy my business, so I better step up to 40, you know, to the to Horizon 4 and take a look at the vision about where I'm going. Is it okay that uh, I sell this company right now or do I need to keep it under under my own wraps? So there are many times circumstances of life, you know, force you to review at some of these different horizons. But, you know, again, we're, there are six horizons that we have commitments with ourselves, and each one of those has a different recursion about how often you need to look at it in order to feel comfortable about it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, talking about appropriate engagement, uh, you talk about something really profound there, which is mind like water in the sense, um, and I'll let you explain that, the idea of you throw a pebble into water. Um, I'll, I'll well, yeah, the, the, the idea that, and the water metaphor, you know, I took that from the martial arts and it's like Bruce Lee sort of made that famous from his sensei's coaching to him, be like water. And, you know, it's really, it's really water is just very appropriately engaged with its world. It looks like it's very, very weak in a way, and yet it's highly fluid and can be, you know, <laughs> quite powerful, as you can imagine. So water doesn't necessarily always be calm, but it's always appropriately engaged with its world. It's not confused how to do you throw in a rock, it does rock throwing a boulder it does boulder you know and it's not it doesn't look at the boulder coming because oh my god here comes a big boulder it just called it just relates to the boulder right so it the simple idea is not over or under reacting but if you're feeling stressed if you're feeling if you have not appropriately engaged with things and they keep popping into your head it's very difficult to be totally present See, you don't need time you need room and so having your mind clear, again, it's back to the, the idea that your head is, a clear head is the most appropriate place to hit a golf ball from or to fire somebody from or to, do it, or to put your kids to bed or to cook spaghetti. It's just the most productive state to operate from. So that idea of what do I need to do to get my mind appropriate so I'm not over or under reacting. Most people take one meeting into the next. They take home to work and work to home with thoughts about both in different places and not making any progress on what they're thinking about. That's not mind like water. So mind like water says I can be, give my full attention to whatever it is that I'm doing with no distraction and no static, whether that's cooking spaghetti, tucking your kids in at night, you know, or writing your next business plan. So, so what we're saying is you need to be able to carve out mental space in order to do what is important to you. Well, you don't, you don't carve out mental space. You, you get it. Mm. You get mental space by getting this stuff off your mind, making appropriate decisions about it, parking on the right place. You got plenty of room in there. Just you got a, a lot of stuff taken up that room. You don't carve space. You clean it up. Hmm. And you said something. See, how much time do you need to have a creative idea? Zero. <laughs> How much time does it take to be loving and present? Zero. How much time does it take to be innovative? Zero. Those things don't require time, but they do require room. See, mm. if you try, just go try to be creative or present or loving and have four, four, 432 things on your mind, right? They keep banging you on your head. Hard to do. Yeah, you can train your mind with mindfulness training or be, go be a yogi and learn how to, you know, focus your attention. But still, if you, if you need cat food, you still need cat food. You know, you sit down to meditate, better have a pen and paper by there to write down cat food so it doesn't keep popping into your head when you try to meditate. 
So you said something really profound there. You don't need time. You need room. You need yeah. room because you have so much clutter in your head that you don't have the room right now. And right. what your system is teaching is to get the clutter out of there and start executing on what is ours. And that creates the space. That creates a mental space sure. for you to it's, appropriately... It's, it's lean for the mind. Lean get rid of the waste. Right. Get rid of... Which is lean and Six Sigma and Agile and all that stuff. They, you know, those are fabulous processes, but they're all about external systems. They didn't address the internal one. GTD does. So if there was one thing I could do, and I, I, maybe I'm not asking the wrong question because GTD itself is a system, but if there was one thing I could do to, car, to get this mental space, to have this space, not necessarily time, but this space, what is the most important thing I could do on a daily, weekly, hourly basis, whatever it is, when I sit down to work or when I sit down to plan out my week, what is that one thing I could do? Well, if I give you one thing, it's the wrong answer because mm. you can't just do one by itself. It is a holistic system. The first thing is write it down, anything on your mind. Get it out of your head. But again, that's, that's barely going to be temporary unless you walk it through the process of, then, of what does that mean to me and what am I going to do about it and where do I need to park that stuff. So those three are the real, they're really the triumvirate you know, of operational stuff about how you, how you get there. You know, keep this stuff out of your head. You know, if nothing else, just go up to a whiteboard, just do a core dump till your head's empty. Just see what happens. Or, or pull out, you know, when I work with clients, you know, I, as I did this last weekend, you know, it's just literally a huge stack of just printer paper and a nice pen and every idea on one piece of paper. You know, creates a big stack like that. And then you throw all those in the end basket and then you go through them one at a time. What is that thing? Is there an action on it? What is the very next action? Right. And then do it. If you can do it in two minutes, actually take the action. If you can't do it in two minutes, delegate it to somebody. If you can delegate it to somebody, get it off your plate. And if it's none of those and you have to do it but not right then, then you need to park it in your inventory of work to do. You know, when you have time, simple process. But, boy, most people are avoiding that like the plague about all kinds of stuff. So just getting yourself to do those behaviors that actually clarify what your work is. I mean, the late, great Peter Drucker would tell everybody listening to this right now that your biggest job is defining what your work is because it's not self-evident. That email you open up doesn't tell you what the next action on that email is. You have to decide that. Mm. It also doesn't tell you what you're now committing to finish because of that piece of input you just got from your boss or the customer or, or your mother. Right? Your wow. sister wrote you an email or you just got a, you just got a WhatsApp from your sister. Mom's birthday is coming up. Do you, are you going to do anything? You know, what do you do with that? Right? You're going to sit there and go, oh, God, mom's birthday's coming. Oh, God, mom's birthday. What? As opposed to, okay, give mom birthday party or celebrate mom's birthday. Now I have an outcome. What's my next step? You know what I need to do is call my sis sister and let's chat about it for a few minutes and we'll see what ideas she has. So it, it is that simple. And yet that simple process, I just said, is what people avoid like the plague. So there's a cognitive muscle because you actually have to. That won't show up automatically. Mm -hmm. You actually have to apply a cognitive muscle. Mm -hmm. And that muscle can be trained and you can get it. So that that's a lot of what GTD is. It's like, here's the game, guys. But that muscle, you're going to have to start to train that muscle to be making these decisions when things show up instead of when they blow up. So and how that's do a we, huge change. And how, how do we do that? Because I have personally seen it. I, I have faltered numerous times, but I keep going back because I know it really helps me. And you've probably seen this so many times in your career where you work with entrepreneurs or you work with people and maybe they fall off the wagon. Maybe they... Screw it up. Maybe they lose momentum. Uh, what's the biggest mistake you've seen people make 
in the implementation of GTD system, and that causes they, them to get they, off it. They don't, if they taste what it's like to begin with, they start to taste the, 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 the more in control, more clarity, more freedom in their head. And then they lose track of that and they let the world throw them back out of it again and they just don't keep it going. They don't keep the consistency with it. That's why the weekly review is the key element. You do that, it all works. You don't do that, it falls apart. End of story. Because you have to keep this stuff current because it's not a static thing. Your life is not static. Your flow of your work is not static. So you have to keep your structure, pull up the rear guard regularly. Not every hour, every day, but boy, every, at least every seven days or so, you better go, well, what the hell just happened this week? And where do, where do I put that against all the other things that I'm committed to and, and not try to do that in your head? And people just get lazy and then and you just have the habit of keeping in your head. It's a, it's a false way to get a sense of control. To keep it in your, in your head. head. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because pe people are out of control about how out of control they are. That's why they're afraid they're afraid to get it out. Yeah. I mean for a lot of reasons. I mean what if you got it all out and you go god that's it? That's <laughs> you, know? It. <laughs> you know, so at least if I feel overwhelmed and confused then I can at least pretend that I'm so I'm so important and smart and creative that you know that, that but I don't don't force me to look at everything I've created. I don't know. I'm I'm guessing on that one because I don't have you know. I just I I just know that yes, people have a big tendency to keep this stuff in their head. But we're teaching this now to kids seven, eight, and nine years old, and I think the kids are getting it. Just oh, that's what you do. We've now got kids that have been raised by GTDers that are that are up to in their mid twenties, early twenties now, and they've been raised you know homeschooled and from the very beginning, mm -hmm. truly. And they they go, why would you ever keep anything in your head? Mm -hmm. And and they're just smoking the world out there. I mean, cause the world is their oyster. They know how to throw things in their own end basket. You know, decide you know what the next action is, get stuff moving forward. And, you know, so, so but us cranky old adults have a lot of habits that that you know need to get changed about that. And it it does it does take effort and a change of habit to realize. Wait a minute, I just damn well better write down what I just said. That's why these little tools, you know, they just go around with you right there. You know, most of my life has started as a harebrained, crazy-ass idea that on this little piece of paper. Uh -huh. And then this little piece of paper gets into the system. I wake up in the morning and then decide, 90% eh, of them I throw away, but I don't know which 10% are the 10%. You know, so then I, just, then I need to curate, essentially, what, I've, what, what the raw stuff that I've created or latched onto and get smart about it and then park that in the system. So making that your habit. You know, and, you know, I, so people it's a, often ask, the, 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 so back to your, that's a long answer to your short question. I understand that that is, but quite frankly, the, the reason people fall off is their addiction to stress, their willingness to tolerate the feeling of pressure that all that unprocessed stuff creates. Hmm. And and the solution to that is actually to build that muscle to really do it, to really get, do your weekly review, to really do... Get the, so used to what that feels like that you feel uncomfortable not having that feeling. Hmm. See, nothing on your mind is a very rare thing for people to experience. And so once you get used to it, a lot of people just would feel guilty having nothing on their mind. Mm-hmm. You know, either because of the Protestant ethic or the Jewish background or God knows what other you know, you know, things we've inherited then that, that, that have become sort of, gee, if I'm, not feeling, if I'm not feeling overwhelmed and like I should be working harder than I currently am, I'm going to hell. You know, so that's become, you know, a, a whole lot of people just sort of live with that. 
but getting used to having zero on your mind so that you're truly clear to be present with whatever's going on, getting used to that point, however long that takes. And we've seen that can take a year to two years of people that are really, really good at this to start to build it. It's not that you're not getting value out of this stuff right away, but you're still having to focus on it consciously. I don't have to focus on it. I can't help doing it. So I clean my in-basket and do weekly reviews for the same reason I brush my teeth and take showers. If I didn't, the scuds factor gets too high. So what's your personal, personal time you spend on weekly reviews now? Whenever I need to. I don't really do anything consistently, but you know, usually it's about, there's, there seems to be a cycle in our head and our life about seven days. If you go longer than that, it's kind of hard to recreate what happened. And how you much know, time and, do you need for that usually, for a weekly review? Uh, it's, it's different for me. It depends on how crazy the week was and how much stuff you know, I still need to clean up and close up. But it could take anywhere from 30 minutes to two, two hours. So the overall implementation of a GTD system, uh, how much time could that take? Usually, if on you a say overall, on an overall, but, well, just to install it to begin with takes a good couple of days. Okay. You know, that's, that we found over the years, we do death side coaching, and that's a, our typical death side coaching uh, and, you know, program is, you know, a little bit of briefing ahead of time, and then two days, you know, hard-nosed down at the desk, literally getting everything out of someone's head, getting them to make next action decisions and project decisions and customizing some sort of system to then park all that stuff into can take a good two, two to three days. Um, and then, you know, once it's set up, it doesn't take any time to, well, it, it takes a, to maintain it, maintain mm-hmm. it simply means keeping it current with new stuff coming in. Mm-hmm. And it takes 30 to 90 minutes a day for anybody to keep their in baskets zeroed out and their backlog zeroed out just because of the new input you get on a daily basis. Meeting notes, business cards you got, receipts that need to be processed, ideas you've, you, you know, you've come up with, new things that have come at you from your email. I mean, there's, there's a, just, the, just that process of keeping your life, essentially your work defined and your commitments defined and keeping them current, that, that's a, that you just need a good hour of white space a day to be able to do that kind of stuff. But that's not GTD. GTD just gives you the most efficient way to manage that. If you don't have that, you're letting it pile up, get backed up, get backlogged up there, and you start to go numb to this huge pile of stuff that, that just makes people feel like their, their, their life is overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, it's not yeah, it's not that the that time commitment is huge. In fact, we end up using the time to use a much worse system if we don't have a system in place. For, oh, sure. Yeah. You wind up retracing your steps. Most people are living in emergency scan mode. That's why they're living on their smartphones. You know, simply because they're not cleaning it up on a regular basis and cleaning up the new input. So they're constantly worried or forgetting and what do I need to make sure I remind myself about or whatever and that becomes highly addictive you know, those, those digital devices. And so if you get used to having a zeroed backlog every 24 to 48 hours, there's no need to be doing that. You know, if it, there's an emergency, people don't know how to reach it. Hmm. You know, the, but the problem is everybody's out there in this sort of virtual mode, constantly emergency scanning and constantly never really cleaning up and constantly thinking about what they should be thinking about, how they should be thinking about what they should be thinking about. And they never actually finish the process. So they walk around in this angst with just this mounting backlog of stuff out there. There's no light at the end of that tunnel. And it's getting worse. Yeah, yeah this is great. Thank you very much, David. This is, has been a lot of fun. But tell us how to get hold of you. Tell us, not necessarily hold of you, but maybe tell us more about what you do, uh, what you do for businesses, how you, what kind of stuff you have on offer. Sure. Well, we do you know, uh, live trainings. We do public seminars around this stuff. My book is available in 
probably 30 languages now. The new edition is probably in 20, 20 languages by now anyway. We're franchising our training program around the world. So if you go to our website and look at when, where we have seminars, you'll see where they are, are all, all around the world, at least in terms of public seminars. So we're now, take a look. So gettingthingsdone.com, there's a lot of stuff. You'll see a lot of, a lot of what we do there. We do you know, one-on-one coaching, as I mentioned still. That's how this business really started back 35 years ago. Uh, and we do a lot of seminars around it. And there's a lot of material online. And you know, there's a GTD Connect, which is a membership uh, thing, sort of huge library of a lot of my work and a lot of our, our networks, you know, forums and things like that. Really good information and practical stuff about how to implement all this. So there's lots of ways to play. But the website would be a, sort of the gateway to see, to, see, to see all of that. And I'm GTD Guy on Twitter. And I'm DAllen45 on Instagram. And, and so I'm around. Well, thank you very much, David. It's been a joy. I really learned a lot from it, and I'm sure our audience enjoyed it thoroughly as well. Thanks, Manny. My pleasure. There was so much to absorb from this interview on getting things done. Unbelievable. And if you are a visual learner like I am, I have a treat for you. We have created an animation video summary of getting things done that you can access for free by going to 2000books.com slash summary or texting the word summary to 44222. That animation video has over 37,000 views and I'm sure you will love it just as much. So just text the word summary to 44222 or head on over to 2000books.com slash summary and you can access that video right there. It's a beautiful, gorgeous animation video of getting things done explained really quickly. So I have something really exciting to share with you. After listening to your feedback over the last few months, I have opened up parts of my Thursdays this month, this September, for conversations with you. Yes, you, my fellow listeners, my fellow ambitious entrepreneurs. I want to talk to you. I want to listen to you. I want to answer any and all business questions you may have. And I want to take in any suggestions you have for improvement. So if you want to talk to me, just schedule a free 30-minute chat with me at 2000books.com slash discuss or text the word discuss to 44222 and we will get talking, you and I. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this because it will really give me the opportunity to get to know you, understand you, and serve you better and help, uh, help you in any way I can. So, if by the way, I want to be doubly clear that this is not a sales call. I will not pitch anything to you and I really hope you won't try to sell anything either to me. So let's just talk like friends, okay, deal? Now, I'm only doing this for Thursdays in September and there are only four Thursdays this month. So get a time slot before they're all gone. Just head on over to 2000books.com slash discuss or text the word discuss to 44222 and schedule a time that is convenient for you. Now, I'm really looking forward to talking with you. So let's do this.